My first name is Tim. I've never read Animorphs. I'm doing it now. Welcome to Minds at Yerk. I'm Tim. My name is Alex. I'm Megan. All right. We have to get through this quick because we have a lot of ground to cover. I'm excited about this book. You guys going to actually fucking stay on topic? Uh, maybe. I wouldn't bet money on it. <laughs> if you want to hear us on topic, check out our bonus episode about the one and only Ivan. We did do it there. That is fair. Yeah. I regret not mentioning how weird it is that the animals acknowledge the existence of heaven, but we're not talking about that anymore. <laughs> You just had to get that in. I did. It's been eating at me for a week. <laughs> anyway, Tim, you were saying something about potatoes. Uh, yes. Meg, Tim building question. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. If you could instantly learn any skill, what would it be? Teleportation. Why? Because it is too expensive to travel otherwise. That's a really good answer. Alex, Tim building question. The Netherlands exported $1 billion U.S. dollars worth of this product. Potato. Exactly. What is that like? That's like nine in a row for you, Alex. You're getting really good at this. What can I say? I have a very particular set of skills, (laughs) almost all related to potatoes. All right. So here's my recap. Because really, I'm not kidding. We got ground to cover. We have much to talk about. Now, 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 hang on. Hang on. I've been... Hang on. Oh, I'm so like... How was everyone's week? Thank you, Alex. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm I'm doing pretty well. I uh did some Labor Day closet cleaning. I uh You did condensed... I'm very excited to play with the stuff that you cleaned out. Yes. I uh when I moved a couple of years ago, you know, I moved by myself and those last dozen or two boxes was kind of me like a, a, a disinterested cat just swiping things off of shelves and flat surfaces into boxes. I hate everything about all of this right now. It was like a six by ten. Welcome by to how Megan feels. Just, <laughs> just had like a dozen ink pins and a necktie oh. in it. Is it a good necktie? Uh. Are the pins still working? Um the pins I believe still work. The necktie <laughs> Tim actually looks like he might explode. Uh, it is getting great. The necktie was one that at some point, I want to say it was when I was in middle school for his wedding to his third wife. My grandfather gave me to wear. It is hideous, but we were very hideous close and he's, way? I'll show you, but not only is it like an unpleasant set of colors that I would date to probably the 1960s. But it has little seed beads at everywhere. I, I forget if they're centered in the checker pattern or if they're at the corners of the checks. I, I just I just want you to know that I am now dead from excited energy that y'all would not let me get out about this book. <laughs> well, I mean, you must be a double ghost. Yes. Now. <laughs> Our double stuffed co-ghost, Tim. Oh. All right. On that note, I guess. How about you, Meg? <sighs> I'm doing okay. I had a good Labor Day. 
played a lot of tennis. Uh, it was good. I, good. I just had an hour long conversation with my grandmother. When made a like really long round trip up to Carville. Oh, that I guess needs to be bleeped. <laughs> yep. Did some comic shopping. Oh yeah, get anything good? I think so. I'm trying to remember what I got last week. There was a new Buffy. Yeah. And I think I caught up on Angel and Spike, and there was new Sex Criminals. Future Tim. Ah uh, yeah. Future Tim can fast forward through all of this. Current Tim is <laughs> dying inside. <laughs> I know. Future Tim can just cut all this. <clears throat> No, yeah. no, I think it's important. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> I got some boxes out of Red's room. Um, now they're just sitting in the foyer, so that's fun. <laughs> fun to jo- dodge around. You know, Red Room backwards is murder. <laughs> mm, but see, there's two Ds. Murder. <laughs> it's Red Rub, not Red Room. <laughs> it's the murder. On what part of the U.S. <laughs> Look, one does not simply walk into Murdor. Hate you so much. All right, worth it. It was worth the wait for that one. Okay. All right, Tim, hop on an eagle and take us to uh, your summary. Ah, my week was great. Thanks. Book 45. I'm sorry, an oogle. (laughs) An oogle. Marco's dad has discovered Z-Space. Oh, wait. No. no, I also saw the movie. That was good. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Tenet? I did, yeah. No, good. You're good, Tim. Okay. Yeah. Tim doesn't want to talk about Tenet. No, not at all. Uh, any other time I want to talk about Tenet because it's my favorite movie ever now. Okay, book 45, The Revelation. Marco's dad has discovered Z-Space. The gang decides to keep an eye on him. He gets a strange call in the middle of the night. Marco doesn't trust the call and goes after him. He calls Rachel for backup. They arrive just in time to stop him from being yerked. Marco has to get his father out of there and then has to explain everything to him. Marco takes his dad to the Chi. The gang decides to have Marco's dad build another Z-Space transponder to intercept York transmissions. The Chi also helps stage the death of Marco and his father at the hands of the Yerks. Axe and Marco's dad work on the machine. Through it, they find out Visser 1 is going to be executed. This is bad for the Animorphs because it would leave Visser 3 in charge. The gang needs to get in the York pool. They set a trap and steal a bug fighter to get past the radiation shield. The group morphs Hork Bajir and infiltrate the entrance, which is a sunken battleship from World War II. The gang sneaks in and finds Visser 1. They try to fly her out, and a big battle ensues. Visser 1 leaves Marco's mom. Marco and Rachel are separated with Marco's mom when Visser 3 shows up and morphs a Jake and the bug fighter shoot him down. I'm pretty sure, by the way, that that's also the name of a piece of Ikea furniture, <laughs> but continue. Visser 1, the Yerk, is killed by Marco. The gang escapes. Marco's parents are reunited and stay at the Hidden Valley Ranch. Axe gets the Z-Space transponder working, and Jake makes contact with the Andalites. Dun, dun, dun! Okay, so... I looked after I read this book. Okay, first of all, this is by far and away my favorite book in the series, without question. I knew you were going to say that. Shocker. This one has just dethroned all the other ones. I loved this book. I thought it was an Applegate book until I... It was not. not. It was Ellen Jarreau. Yes, by far and away, obviously, since it's my favorite book so far, it's the best ghost-written book. But I like... She's written most of the ghost-written books that you've enjoyed. I have. have. Yeah. But uh, this book... 
makes me feel like this is the reason that so many people love this series. Like, I feel like we've been treading water for a long time. <laughs> and this one, like, started to bring things together. This is a could-not-put-it-down book. So is this maybe where, Meg, you and I should talk about the brief text conversation we had earlier? Sure. It is still true for me that my my recollection of these and my rereading them, I would call as, like, remembering a dream I'd forgotten. <laughs> um, like, weird deja vu. But... You made the comment that, like, most of your opinions of the characters come from these last few books, right? Yes, there's a lot of shit that's about to go down that colors my opinion that no matter how many times I start the series over, can't quite break these last ten. And I think that must be more true for me as well than I actively remember. Because the thing I have been trying to reconcile for the last however many episodes is that I remembered liking Marco as a kid. And I figured maybe maybe I just outgrew childish things. But Marco <laughs> kind of rocks in this book. Oh, sorry. I spent 44 <laughs> episodes as a Marco apologist. And I've decided in this book that he sucks because of one action that he did in this book that I cannot deal with. This is also the book, it's worth noting, where Marco notes that Cassie is both the strongest and smartest of them. Yes. So... We agree on a lot here. Does he say that? Or do, I, I only wrote down bravest. Maybe he says bravest and smartest. I cannot remember stepmoms. Nora. 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 Also, do we do we learn Marco's dad's name in this? Peter. Peter. I don't know if we did or not, but it's Peter. Sorry. <laughs> All right. It's so Peter. That's, that's fine. I'm going to accept this spoiler just so we can call him by name. I'm fairly certain we learned it a while ago, but I could be wrong. But it's Peter. So Marco looks at Peter and says... Nora was a yerk the whole time. Oh my god, we're gonna get into this now. I'm this just saying like... that. I know we'll go, we'll go back to it later. But that's that's the moment when I was like, "You're garbage." You're no, a garbage he's person. not garbage. Garbage. Person. That is Marco he is a taking sixteen year old kid. Garbage. That is Marco taking the sword so his father cannot have regret. There is a because lot of after things going losing on here, yeah, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> no, I, it's so good though. Such a good book. Yeah, I think my conversation with Alex started with, so I knew this was the book where Marco's dad finds out and where Marco and his dad go to live with the hork And I knew that Visitor 3 was becoming Visitor 1 soon, but it did not click for me with 10 books left. This is also the book where Eva gets saved. Ava, Eva, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Ava. I, I think we said Ava in the past. It didn't click that the, <laughs> that's what this book was, even though I knew Visitor, like, Visitor 3 was becoming Visitor 1 soon. Well, there's more plot in this book than in, like, the last ten main series books combined. What have been the last ten? Mostly Tobias getting tortured. Yeah, and then side Well, trips. not even him getting tortured. The fallout of him getting tortured. Yeah. Jake having weird dreams. Cassie going to Australia. Yeah, as, as soon as the dad said something about zero space, which, of course, it took me a long time to realize that's what he was <laughs> talking about. I feel like I probably should have gotten you, there sooner. But Did you get there before he said zero space? Nope. Okay. He had to physically oh, so even, say like, it. Yeah. Nothing space. Yeah. No. Nothing nope, there. Nope. He had to physically say it before I was like, "Oh, that's what he means." And also, the name Zero Space, which I've spent, oh, I don't know, fifty books or whatever, thinking was a stupid sounding name. Once he explained why they call it Zero Space, <laughs> I was like, "Well, now it's not dumb anymore. It kind of makes perfect to be sense." Fair, 
We don't know that that's why the Andalites I mean, call it zero right. space. You're right. We just know that that's why the humans who are apparently terrifyingly fast at technology. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, uh, Marco's dad met Axe in I think two previous books, at least one, like really early on. And yeah. Axe did something thinking it was a video game that like would have put humans light years. And I think they fixed it. But they did. There is no guarantee that there wasn't some fallout from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, his snobbery this whole book just made me laugh. <laughs> it was so pure. Also, they're bonding Peter and Axe bonding <laughs> over Radio Shack. Yes, I love Radio Shack too. However, <laughs> <laughs> they do not carry these components. Yeah. I um I know that we in some variation are probably president and founding members of the Ellen Giro fan club but i was <laughs> shocked that this was not an applegate book well remember Giro was the closest to applegate yes so probably had a lot more applegate and grant influence than the other one it felt like i was reading one of the first couple of books again i am sad however to report uh following up on our conversation about radio shack from i don't know probably book five <laughs> Um, the Radio Shack near my home has permanently closed. Oh. Yeah, the one I was thinking of is definitely not there anymore. I just drove past where it would be. It it was still open at time of last recording. Uh, last time we talked about it. But every, every Radio Shack in the bleep metropolitan area <laughs> has closed. So we have officially started the last art. We have ten books left now. It's the final countdown. <laughs> I think I also made that joke you to did. one of you. You did. <laughs> Thank you watching shows with 80s music. The first chapter of this book is definitely my favorite of any of them. I mean, the first page I loved. The whole, instead of being like in media res in a fight, it yeah. is Marco being like, I'm a great stepson. Let me explain to you why. <laughs> I fucking cook. His exact words... My name is Marco, and I am to cuisine what Sammy Sosa is to baseball. <laughs> Which is perfect. This is, I think, roughly August 2000 was when this was printed. So very much in the Sammy Sosa time. And um, all he's doing is opening a red beard box and putting it in the oven. But still, like, that's totally valid. Probably all I did at 16 as well. And Nora is fucking him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah it's, it is... Oh really hard to read this in some ways because marco and dora would have gotten along i truly believe he would have accepted her as a stepmom probably like not as like a mom step in but like someone who is good to be around or whatever if he hadn't known that his mother was alive or even just with time right yeah. like yeah like this is a really hard thing for him to grasp because in his mind all he has to do is save his mom and everything goes back to normal in his family and yet, his dad really fucking loves this woman. And has put into his past all that trauma of losing his first wife. Yeah. But does not love the dog. No. <laughs> no, definitely does not love... What was it? Uh... Killer? No. No, that's it's... not right. It's not Snickers. Ulysses? Snickers was the... No. Ivan dog. It's like Ulysses or something. It's a mathematician name. Ulysses is a mathematician name? Euclid, maybe, is what I'm thinking. Euclid, Euclid. that's what that's it is. It. Euclid. That's what I'm thinking. Yes. Same time period. And that's that's why Nora doesn't get the Z-space explanation, because it's non-Euclidean geometry. <laughs> sure. I have no... I'm just not smart enough to argue that. That Ulysses and 
Euclid were the same <laughs> I actually time. Cannot tell you what Ulysses is or where it's from, and I, it'll hit me at about two a.m. But <laughs> they're both two things I learned in high school or middle school. Um, who was the first animal you expected to cave and tell someone else? Marco. But is that because you knew? I don't really think so. I, I kind of. Like from the I enjoy shitting on Marco standpoint, yes, I would have said I would have said in a vacuum, oh, Marco will fuck up first. I think in character there's a part of me that would have said though, like, Marco is tactical enough and did shove his mother off the side of a mountain that one time, he would probably keep cool. I I think if you were to ask me this before I read the book, I would have said Cassie, mm-hmm. but it would have been in some kind of like to save someone from peril, she would tell someone. I mean, Cassie's told probably the most people for that reason. Yeah. But, yeah. I guess my question is a little bit vague in the sense of, like, figuring out who would tell or bring their family in or right, be forced right. to bring their family in first. I also like the conversation of him, like, trying to test his dad to see if he's a controller. I mean, it's been... <laughs> yes. Um, not to give the spoiler here, probably close to three years. It's kind of cool to be like, yeah, we understand what to look for for a controller now. And it doesn't yeah. quite feel like bullshit. The other animals are a little like, mm, that smells like bullshit. But I think his reasons are valid. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the very, it's that very specific skill that only like two of them actually have. The other one being Cassie to just like talk to a person and read them, right? Like, Jake is not... Jake, Rachel, Tobias, certainly, definitely not Axe. Like, none of them are going to just, like, have a conversation with a person and feel like they get how that person's brain works. Or if that person's brain is, in fact, being puppeted by a slug. You don't think Jake could do it? Living with one? Knowingly living with one? No. No. Interesting. I think I could do it. And I think I could do it... By how genuinely Nora is excited about getting a frozen pizza that there was no chance that she's a yerk, so therefore it's I mean, garbage to yeah. say that she was. You understand, you understand that Marco knows she was Yes, I do. And I think that's why it bothers me so much. It, I don't know, it's, it's just not sitting right with me. When I read the book, I like got like angry that he did it. Alright, let's go into this now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's put this to bed so we can talk about anything else. No, 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 no. I just like, I feel like it is going to be something that is very um, divided all the way around and um, hard to talk about. So, <laughs> might as well, let's do it now. <laughs> like, I, I, I understand that that we could say he did it for the right reasons. He did it to help his dad. Like, I, I, I get that. But there's something about the fact that they, like, he made the decision not to go help her, which I'm not saying was the wrong decision, but it was his decision. You think he actively made that decision, or it was a consequence of what was going on? um, I could go, actually, either way with that. Um, Whether it was a decision or whether it was just, like, the heat of the moment. Like I said, I I wouldn't fault him either way, whether he decided it or didn't decide it it was probably the safer decision. But there's something about sort of framing it in a way, I don't know, it feels like just such a a terrible thing to do to Nora, who did not ask for uh, any of this. I mean, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. And that's, that's, I'd say the same thing about your, your comment too. Yeah. But it, man, it, it got under my skin when it happened. The way I read it, like, and I think this is a big, 
turning point for Marco, right? This whole first half of this book in particular, the act of fucking up by saving his father, even though no one could be expected to do otherwise. But both the act of that and making the tactically right decision not to go back for Nora. Right. I mean, we can agree that the moment, the moment an Andalite got involved, or an Andalite bandit got involved, trying to save his dad, that they sent someone to get Nora and Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. He had gone back for Nora. It would have been bad. Yes. And, like, I think think there's a real case to be made that Marco would have let Peter think he was also taken or dead if he hadn't had to reveal himself to keep him from running back into harm's way. Sure. Also fair. And knowing that Peter did that, if Marco hadn't lined up and said Nora was on the wrong side the whole time, Peter would have never stopped fighting to go get her. And because my siblings are close to this age, I just kept trying to think of like, if Michael and Mackenzie came up to me and were like, hey, we've been fighting in this alien war for three years. Um, Here's what's going on. And like trying to wrap my brain around that and like all that stuff. Peter would have kept putting his life in jeopardy. Sure. What Marco did sucks, and it is going to cause, if Peter ever finds out, irreparable damage to their relationship. I'm not disagreeing there. But we do get Marco saying that he's going to try to save Nora. I also think it's worth pointing out that Marco knows what he is yes, doing sucks. Yes, 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 He fair, knows fair. that it's... That's what I was trying to say. He knows that is yes. an ethically, at best, questionable thing to do. But he's basically making a decision that says... I am going to take the emotional work on myself. And yes, he'll have to process, hey, he was caught up in this thing. And yes, that's a lie. And yes, it could blow up if it goes back, if he finds out the truth. But the only way he can begin to have any kind of contentment is if I take this on for him. I don't know. Sometimes I I have what I believe is some kind of disease that makes me read things from the wrong direction. As like everyone else, no, I just think you're more black and white. Well, uh, and but I, it, in this case, it's I can't help, but it's really weird. This is going to be complicated. I can't help but see it from Nora's point of view, as that's a wrong thing to do f- to Nora, while also knowing in my head that if you were to go to Nora and say, "Hey, Marco needs to tell a lie to Peter, or else he could get hurt," Nora would probably say okay tell that lie you know what i'm saying let's protect peter like i get that but there's something about it being said that this completely honest uh genuine person was evil for a time period that just i cannot i can't deal and that's Um, what is so good about this series is that it's not trying to just tell a story it is trying to show you the true trauma and horror a fighting a war. And and also, I just want to add that I am not disputing anything. Like, I agree completely with what yeah. y'all have said. And we're like, not disputing yeah. what you said. Yeah. No, we're just, it's, I, it's something that I wrote down twice because I was like, shit is, this is a lot. Yeah. I also think I like this, though, because if anything has defined Marco so far, it is that he has a very internal locus of motivation. Since book one, when he didn't want to fight this fight because he had no stake in it, to 
okay, he has a stake because his friends are there, to, okay, well, his mother is Visser 1, now he's really invested, to, I don't care about this wedding and this this marriage because I know my mom is out there and I know that she and dad could be together again if I can save her. All of this is what Marco wants, what Marco thinks, how Marco sees the world. Marco, in making this decision, has to not just not do what's good for him by doing what's good for his father, at least in his mind, but Marco actively has to take the hit in terms of guilt in order to try to protect someone else's feelings. And I think that's a huge character shift for him. Which would be the reason that you enjoyed Marco more this book? Because of that character shift? Marco's grown I mean, up. I think I enjoyed him more this book because in general, like, we get, I think, the clearest example of a Marco who is calculated and in control without the having to prove himself. Like, he's put in a position where he just does he just reacts he and then reacting is when he screws up maybe but for the rest of this book he is proactive and does a really good job of it um which is not to say that like marco doesn't need anyone overseeing what he does but there's not a chip on his shoulder in this book yeah um and i think all of that combined and yeah him having to finally kind of do something for someone else even if it's the least bad of a lot of bad options i think is part of that i just don't think it's all of it i also really just love the fact that peter is written to truly love nora because Mm -hmm. i think what is considered a trope is like when that first love comes back the second person gets tossed aside fairly easily or is killed off and honestly i'm i'm not gonna lie i don't remember what happens to nora here or if this is the last time we hear about her but the fact that peter you know he tells peter hey mom's alive and his response is essentially i love nora just as much and possibly more than marco's mom and i I don't know there's just something i really respect about that well he's had to mourn and he's had to move on and it doesn't even it never even reads in his dialogue as a triangle. Mm-mm. Right. No. Which I think is the other way it could have yeah. gone. Right. Like the third way it could have gone. It, it wasn't It wasn't like his morning was done off panel. Like that was a big section of the first books. You know, yeah. was him basically not being able to deal and then finally working through it. Also, like, it is never said explicitly, but Peter is working while in shock for a good deal of this book. I mean, the closest we get to an acknowledgement is the scene where, like, he just sits down, and there are a couple of puppies, and then he passes out. Mm-hmm. And they give him puppies as pillows. If I'm ever in shock... I was about to say this is the most tense scene. <laughs> yeah, just no. Bury you in Labradoodles, <laughs> got it. Also, that that scene of Peter clicking in with the idea that oh these are actual androids and they have holograms (laughs) and i need to understand yeah it was really cool because peter is an engineer and a science nerd and basically just seeing like all of these nerdy things are real plus the like moment of like every scientist just on some level definitely believes in aliens and fuck yes aliens are real yeah it's the law of large numbers 
They may not be here, but they have to be somewhere. Can exactly. I tell you that that is exactly, like, without question, how I would react in that same situation is just sticking my hand inside the hologram until it became awkward and the android had to, had to tell me to stop doing it. Hey, Tim? Yes. Got no doubts about this. <laughs> <laughs> Both of us are not wearing our shocked faces. <laughs> I have a holographic mouth. And yes, I must consent. So Marco and his dad are now legally dead. Yep. That's a serious rep for Marco, R.I.P. We we talked a lot before. That's rest in puppies. <laughs> um, We talked a lot before. Jesus like, Christ. And I, I, it's actually been a while since we've had this conversation about, like, real consequences. Uh, you know how, like, we, we talk about this sort of episodic storytelling of, of other mediums and stuff? Th- mm-hmm. uh, this one sounds like a big, like, you can't undo that one. You told the so, world you're dead, so like from here on out, that's the way we're going to operate. Fun fact, I have a friend who was named Nora, who was declared dead at like age of eight. They put the wrong social security number on, and um, it is really difficult to overcome. I'm sure. I am sure. It is It is very, very hard. She sat down and explained to me like getting into college, buying a house, all of it, literally everything she does. So, legally dead. The chi, fake the death. Well, they don't. They do the stand-in while the Yurks <laughs> try to kill him. They they take the hit. They take the hit. And it's bad. Yeah, not great for Mr. King. No. Also, I don't think the first time that he's been injured. No, I'm pretty sure you're right about that. But I do respect that Eric's like, I do a really good garbage truck. I was like, man, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> that comment made me start imagining what Chi stand-up or Chi open mic night must be like. <laughs> Very dry. Very much like Holt. You walk up to the mic and you go to pick it up and the hologram fades and it's Eric King doing his microphone impersonation. <laughs> <sighs> like taps himself. Is this yeah. is this thing on? You walk in and there's just an airline chair with a seat back table folded down and some food on it. And you hear this disembodied voice. What's the deal with airline <laughs> food? And the hologram fades. <laughs> And it's Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> and then that hologram fades because, twist, it's actually Chris Nolan, who is a chief. So, the whole Marco and his dad stuff is enough for one book. But you know who else has got it going on? Christopher Nolan? Marco's Stacey's mom has got it going oh, on. Oh, man. How did I not see that one? I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've used that one before. I have a note about Rachel letting Marco go. I guess I must have found that scene weird. Go with his dad. I found it I found it weird that there was this whole we're gonna do reconnaissance on Marco's dad at all times. And then like he gets home for the night so everyone pieces out as though the Yerks would never do anything <laughs> in the middle of the night. It is weird that Tobias and Axe are not watching over. It's also really weird that they're like, it's the middle of the night. And at one point Marco said it's eleven PM, but everybody <laughs> is asleep by eleven PM. And given the three well, people on this call, that's not necessarily true. It was a school night. Yeah, that's still not necessarily true. I mean, it probably definitely wasn't true for me, honestly. But it was the 90s, and maybe they just wanted to be very wholesome about, look, you can have murder and existential crises and all that, but please, for the love of God, reinforce the concept of bedtimes so we don't hear it from parents. What about a red room boomerang? Are you a literally roomerang? spending this A boomerang? Oh, I love that. Amazon. Hey, Tim, shit. I heard... I heard a rumor ring that we stayed on topic. 
I'm going to take your okay. phone away while we're recording. Like, nope, nope. Hands free. Hands free. Um, d- did we talk about how easy it was for them to steal a bug fighter? No, because that we haven't gotten to that easy. side of... Because you keep interrupting with murder room <laughs> shit. I feel like they should just steal all of the bug fighters. Boom, war over. Because they got that one real easy. I think you get to pull that trick once, though, right? <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're okay, right. Okay, but they definitely have pulled it more than once. Well, true. You do You do get... Okay, you, first you need Vister 3's pager number. But what if they change the pager number and you can't just text 4 for horse? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was one of the other ways they summoned Yerks at one point. Was <laughs> no, that was Pagers the... and call and... and, and like, one of the Yerks had a pager and had to use a public phone to call back. Yes. But also, yes, that was the Area 51 book. I was thinking the yeah. book where they're underwater and someone has a passcode that was one number. Oh. <laughs> that, that was the Pimmelite ship. Yes. I mean, they call the police in the middle of the woods. I don't know. At least they do a different plan every time. I, I do appreciate that they're like, yeah, all cops are Yerks. Yeah, I did appreciate that as well. That was very pointed. Do you have a dumpster count for this issue? None. For this book? Zero. Yeah. Zero dumpsters in this book. And yet it's somehow your favorite. Yeah. I wonder if that's related. Like, there's an... I need you to graph your, 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 your ranking of each book in the series against the number of dumpsters in it and see if there's any correlation. Okay. That's your homework over the next two weeks. Okay. That actually should be pretty, pretty easy to do because I have little tick marks at the top of my notebook for every book. So. so they get the Z space transponder working. Transponder. Transponder. Thank you. you. Okay. Um, um, I like Transponster. That is a quote from a movie and I cannot think of which movie it is. Anyways. It's when the transponder goes rogue and tries to take over the city. And um, it's garbled. And they're like, Peter's like, um, what if we try to connect these things? Maybe it'll all translate to English. And my guess is that it probably will. And yeah. that acts as like, Fuck this human that seems to actually know shit. Um, I'm just going to translate. Well, it, it clearly takes English later in the book. So, like, you know, X went home at some point and was like, Oh, def. Fine. I'll do what Peter said. <laughs> and that's how we learn Visor 1 is coming back to Earth to be starved to death. As a traitor. Do you think they'd kill the human or just put another Yerk in the human? I feel like they'd put another Yerk in the human because human bodies are pretty useful. I feel like anybody else would have or 3 wouldn't. Yeah, and they'd, they'd kind of beat up that one a lot. Yeah. Oh, true. But here's my question. I, I had a problem with the physics of the whole starving out the Yerk. Okay. You have a Yerk pool, and inside uh-huh. that Yerk pool you have a pier, and on that pier you have a post, and Ava is tied to the post with the Yerk in her head. Yes. Why doesn't the Yerk just slither out and dive into the Candrona? The Yerk. Because the moment that it slithers out, someone's probably. I think they're, she was flanked by two Horkbajer. Okay, so they were watching for that. Yeah. Seems like it'd be better to just jump out and get shot. I mean, I think there's them. an easier an easier answer here. And it's not in the text. I think we have to rely on subtext here. Earmuffs. Ah. Uh, of course. Oh, is she earmuffed? Of course. I mean, they talk about her being chained up. I just assumed there was something like covering her ears. You're but probably like, right. <laughs> earmuffs would work. Nope, I live in a world now where the chains go around her ears. <laughs> it's earmuff then chain around the earmuffs. <laughs> that is one interesting kink. All right. That's not even that weird. A kink. <laughs> I didn't say weird. I said interesting. 
Okay, I was trying not to say that's a pretty. I mean, I meant the earmuffs portion of it. Sensory deprivation's a thing. It is. I just, I I guess, in my mind, because the earmuffs are like very much seven-year-old child wearing earmuffs. I don't think the earmuffs deprive senses as much as temperature, though. So even if you chain them, I don't know how much sound you're actually keeping out. Noise-canceling earphone earmuff things. (laughs) Like you see them on construction sites. Those are technically earmuffs <laughs> that are also sound dampening. That headphones? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, they don't have to have headphones. There are models now that do. Does an earbud fall in the earmuff community? No. I don't know what golden retrievers have to do with anything, Tim. <laughs> Did I say it funny? No. Okay. I just always think of Airbud when I hear Earbud. Yeah, you're right. Okay. I was because of the way I went about this, it just looked really ridiculous in my head, but you are right, that is I guess fairly normal. I wrote in capital letters that Visor One is dead. Do you need a minute? Oh, I thought you were still laughing. Me? Yeah. I was. <laughs> okay. The idea that there was subtext earmuffs is just fantastic to me. Look, if Stanislavski taught us anything, <laughs> it's you dress for the cold. He was Russian. Have you never heard of Russian dressing, Tim? Had no idea that it <laughs> pertained to clothes. So, Marco is caught between Ava and Rachel. Rachel's dying. Visor One's about to jump into the pool. And he thinks everybody else is dead. And I really enjoyed this moment. Yeah. Let's break Marco entirely. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I wrote uh, in big letters, capital letters, Visor One is dead. And then it was probably another 10 minutes before I was like, and killed by Marco and Ava. Really is Marco's Kobayashi Maru. The test he could not pass? I mean, he kind of doesn't. He's like, I'm going to try to pick him up. Oh, no, oh, I'm too okay. hurt. I can't. I then eventually the bug fighter shows back up because, oh, hey, there's a different bug fighter that blew up. Axe is a better pilot than that. Give him credit. Wasn't it? Uh, wasn't he the one telling his mom? Because his mom was like, we got to kill the Yurk. And wasn't he trying to say, like, no, let it go. Let's go. Or am I am I remembering that wrong? Before no, he finally he was, goes over and steps on it? He was trying to, but Rachel basically had, like, a piece of flesh holding her arm on. And was very close to just getting killed. So, like you said, Axe is a better pilot than we expected. Especially for only having two very weak arms and not dozens of crab pincher <laughs> arms. I'll never actually understand how Axe flies any Yorkshire. <laughs> Me neither. Well, that was the same thing. Like, So every time we've seen a bug fighter, there's been attacks on flying it until they steal one. And all of a sudden it's just six orc vizier and nobody questions it. Also, apparently there are mutant taxons that are very big and have extra arms. And blue band orc vizier, which maybe... Did did we meet those when we met like the rival orc vizier armies that worked for Vissers 1 and 3? Oh, It was maybe. red and something, yeah. yeah it was back no. in book 5 or book... 20 book five i know that's when we learned that marco's mom is visitor one and that's well that was the one then because it was the first time we met visitor one yeah then it was book five yeah they're sort of like the green beret hork bajir is the blue band ones maybe that is what it is is it's just more of an elite force yeah rather than you know supporting or maybe they're blue band because they've been tasked with get torturing they're the person that they followed. This doesn't quite work for Yerks, though. I kind of took it as these were these were 
uh, Visser 3's dudes, and because he's seized power, they're like the elite force now. I kind of took a little it. bit of all yeah. the above. They uh, they have the blue bands so that their pincers don't grab you in the grocery store. They're the hork Swiss Guard. hork don't have crab hands, Tim. Taxons do. Get it straight. But I appreciate your little Zoidberg. <laughs> now make the sound. Uh, we I do don't... that with Charlie. We make him do the dance and make the noise. How do you make Charlie do a Zoidberg dance? <laughs> By annoying the shit out of him. <laughs> That's all you need to do. By threatening him with jelly. Charlie loves jelly. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Jelly is food. Okay, fine. We can't threaten him with a good time. <laughs> no, but there's this app... <laughs> it is made in Australia. And I gotta say, every picture of Charlie that I use, it is supposed to help you understand what your dog or cat is feeling. It literally, the lowest of unsettled that I got was 80%. I mean, I've met Charlie. <laughs> he's fairly unsettled in life, yes. Like, he's a tiny dog who looks a little scared of everything at all times. I'd believe it. I used a happy picture of him, and it was like, this is not a chihuahua. 80% unsettled. Oh, jeez. 80% happy. I was like, all right, I gave. I mean, Charlie also has some cat vibes, so like... Apparently he is also a cat, which my friend's daughter is always like, can I see pictures of the cat? Yeah. Meaning Charlie. <laughs> so I sent it to her and was like, well, she's correct. <laughs> hey, everybody wants to be a cat. A cat's the only cat who so, knows where it's at. We learn that, we learn, um, Ava has picked up a lot of shit from Visor 1, a lot of knowledge. Oh, yeah. He uh, kind of stared at me like I was... No, it took me a minute to, to, to get there, but when she uh, figures out how to fly the ship out of the York pool. Yeah, and I think this is a really important moment that didn't get the commentary that it should, from, especially from Cassie, I guess, who at one, I mean, who is pretty much a great character in this book. Like, Marco cannot be the one that's like, hey, we need to go after and save my mom. We just saved my dad. Now my mom's in jeopardy. And I know my mom's been in jeopardy a few times, but Cassie's the one that finds a workaround. Yeah. But they literally boil and kill an entire pool of Yorks. Unless there were no Yorks in there. But I missed that if that's the case. No, there were definitely Yorks in there. They were not in a New York state of mind. And uh, a York pool is apparently made of oobleck? Yeah, it's a bog. The more you fight, it's it's the quicksand. This is the quicksand of the series. <laughs> the last 90s trope. But yeah, not even like a comment from Cassie or anything. Who is taking care of Rachel, who is basically like on the verge of death at this point. But I just found that interesting. Jake doesn't do a whole lot in this book. No, but I do like the few small things that he does. Yeah, no, he's very in character and it tracks. It's just. It's almost a little weird to me that there was not a scene of, like, Jake checking in on his best friend. Even though, like, yes, Marco has fucked it up for everyone. I I, I, I kind of want to see at some point, and maybe it's in the next Jake book, like, Jake's side of how he's processing Marco having screwed this up. I think that there's too much going on, because the other side of this is that Visor 3 by killing Visor 1 is now Visor 1, which means that Earth is no longer un- going to be under a, like, stealth attack. Yeah. So, like, cool, your dad, this is a lot, but he also basically saves the day, maybe, with yeah. calling the Andalites. E.T. phones home. Because shit's about to get really bad, if it's to believe that Visor 3 still wants to do a full-on attack. And 
That's very on brand for him. Yeah. There are a couple weird moments where he, trope I hate is when you give looks to people and they can read everything in that look. And I'm like, you cannot have an entire conversation in one look. I'm sorry. That's just bullshit. Tell that to John Dorian and Chris Turk. And he does it with Cassie here. (laughs) And then gives Marco a look at the end that I still quite can't understand what's going on. But I really appreciate the fact that Axe defaults to Jake in this cliffhanger. So I have a question for Tim. Speaking of the end of the book. I'm, I'm, that's actually what I'm waiting on. Is that's the... So, the last, yeah. the last couple of paragraphs of this book. Mm-hmm. This is... He cleared his throat. He glanced back at Axe and smiled. Then he leaned in close to the device. This is Earth, he said. Then we have yeah. a dashed line and in a heavier, smaller text... We do know who they are, dot, dot, dot. And we know you, too, dot, dot, dot. Set off then with another heavy black line. What's up with that, Tim? That has been sitting with me. Like, I I promise you, I reread the last two pages probably four times. Because I was like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I still don't get it. So, do you think it is diegetic? And happening in the moment? Or do you think it is something else? I mean, it's gotta be Elemis stuff, right? I'm sorry, it's gotta be what? Elemis, Elemis bullshit, sorry. Thank you. Elemis bullshit. TM, TM, TM. It's gotta be Elemis bullshit. Because I've read it, I've tried to read it as a Yurk intercepting the message. I've tried to read it as an Andalite. I've tried to read it as a human. And it doesn't who track do you, any any way. Who do you think the you is? It's, or if I may paraphrase the paraphrase the song... Who is you? <laughs> who, 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 who? Okay, the you has got to be the Animorphs, and the the they has got to be the Andalites, right? And that's that's sort of the uh, that I don't know, I don't know. I've read it like seriously so many times, and I don't get it. It doesn't add up. But it's got to be almost bullshit. It's got to. It has to. <laughs> Why else would it be written in like completely different like type? Thought speak happens the same way as, like, people speak, as, like, Yurk speak, as, like, all this stuff. It's gotta be Elemis stuff. What makes me laugh is that we definitely thought the Elemis book was after this book, and it's not. But that has to be, like, I mean, that, that has to be, like, a, like, a, like, a setting it up thing. Also, we thought that because I misremembered reading <laughs> the schedule two weeks earlier and just said, oh, yeah, it's after the next one. <laughs> that was more my being dumb than... Our misremembering or assuming collectively. I'll own that one. Sometimes. I wasn't trying to throw you under the bus. I'm jumping under the bus. You can't trolley problem someone (laughs) if one of those people jumps under the trolley. I do really appreciate that, like, they're very aware that what they're doing is very dangerous. And um, there is a slight chance that Shora could be misconstrued as like a yurk ship but like it, the odds are the yurks know exactly where they fucking are when they send this they don't have a whole hell of a lot of choice though like oh no they definitely don't i just yeah i agree with you but like they are definitely down to the pick the least bad of bad options yeah territory. stakes are getting ridiculously high like shit is getting bad yeah and that was the plan also was to send the transmission and then pick up the machine and hightail it out of there because of that right there was also a line in here about, you know, there's no going back in time and changing reality. And I wanted to be like, eh, I don't know, break up the foundation there at the shopping mall. You might find a way. So we have. Can you imagine Marco with time travel? Sorry. Oh, it continue. would be so bad. I don't even know where he would go back to because you can't go back and say, like, I don't want to know about 
the Yerks because his mom was one. And yeah, it, it, yeah, he'd probably I, might even go back to before his mom was Yerked and try. He doesn't know when that was. No hijinks would ensue. The Animorphs definitely win in this book. Yes. But the Yerks didn't lose. The Yerks win in the fact that they just gained a very powerful ally. The woman who has been Visor One for five, six years, ten years. Who knows? The Animorphs win in that fact. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. But Visor Three is now Visor One. Yeah. Yeah, which means the whole game plan has changed. What a shitty day for Visor Two, huh? <laughs> yeah. Right. Did you see him like throwing his pin in the air, sitting at his desk? I can't believe this crap. My book didn't have anything at the end. Did you have anything for the next book? I have a chapter, but not a, not even like a chapter. I've got like two pages. Okay. I don't have a like teaser summary that I would normally use for a It's not even that. I just was like, oh, there's usually like the first chapter in the back here. And it didn't even have like what the next book was. I mean, I know what the next book is and everything, but I just was like... That's really cool. Maybe this is how it was. I don't honestly remember. I, I do have it. You want me to take a picture and shoot it? No, to no, you? no, no. You're good. Okay. It's not that I'm doubting you. I have it too. I'm not allowed to look. You're at not. Them. Hey, real quick, remind mm-hmm. me what Visser Three's name was. It's Esplin nine four two nine two six nine four six six nine. Maybe, maybe something something Isn't there six, like, six. Three numbers? No, because he's a twin. Oh, is that where the double number comes from? Okay. Yeah. Because here is the one thing I will say. Uh, I will, I'll help Tim out with his prediction. No, 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 no. no. I'll give him two words. Okay. Operation nine four six six. Ah, interesting. That doesn't help at all. No, it, I knew. No, not really. <laughs> but are you ready to give a prediction? Yeah. Wait. Okay. I'm not. We haven't done animal a- animal trivia. We haven't done animal um, trivia. Do we do animal trivia before that? I yeah. don't fucking know. Yeah, it's only been sixty six episodes. Whatever. Tim's looking at the script. <laughs> that doesn't am. mean it's right. Yeah. I don't think we've ever fixed it. Yes. <laughs> Who knows? But yes, animal facts do come first, right before fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> We laugh, but you're definitely going to want some fanfic after this ends. Trust me. <laughs> That's right. You know what? I'll I'll just pick up that plot line somewhere in Alternomorphs. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we ready for animal trivia? Yes. Yeah. All right. I am reading Gizmodo's summary of a paper published in the Journal of Morphology. Uh, the Journal of Morphology paper is entitled Skeletal and Muscular Pelvic Morphology of Hillstream Loaches. Cypriniforms Balatoridae. Cool. There's a reason I don't use the journal articles when I do this. <laughs> um, would anyone care to guess the Gizmodo headline based on that journal description? It has something to do with an Elvis-type dance. Mary Poppins. Several fish can secretly walk on land, study suggests. Nope, wasn't close. You 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 honed in on wrong. the uh, you're not the, wrong. The pelvic, the pelvis thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That yeah, pelvic that's... thrust will drive you insane. <laughs> a surprising number of hillstream loaches, a family of Asian fish, which you would know if you played Animal Crossing, are capable of walking on land using all four limbs, according to a new study. It's a discovery that could explain how some of the earliest animals managed to stroll on solid ground. Essentially, they took a bunch of loaches, 
and scanned their skeletons and looked at the places where their four fins met their skeleton. In most fish, the skeleton and fin bones are not joined. But in these loaches, they do join, uh, and they join in basically three groups. One where there's a very weak connection, one where there's a stronger one, and one where basically fish have hip bones. Or, to read the uh, sentence here, of the fish studied, 11 were were found to have these robust hips, or pelvic girdles, which look like salamander hips, and the way they move is similar to how a salamander moves. There's actually a picture in the a gif in this article of a loach that they have not yet confirmed can walk on land using its fins to hold on to like a bamboo shoot and crawl up it. And if you've never seen a fish climb a branch before, um this is wild. Uh this is Homoleptera bilineata can shimmy. Anyway, some fish can walk on land. Turns out. So Little Mermaid's true story. Got it. I'm watching the fish climb the bamboo pole right now, and it is wild. Yeah, flipping your fins, you don't get too far. On Wikipedia, there's like a section in some of the books that has like contributions to the series story arc. This isn't like basic Wikipedia. And it says the blue band Hork-Bajir are introduced. I don't remember them being a thing, so I guess they're coming back. Or they are like okay. a thing. How does the loach breathe on land? Did you cover this while I, I was mean, looking this up? I mean, they're fish, so I think they just hold their breath. Okay. Fish don't breathe on land. I know I know that may come as a shock, Tim. <laughs> I mean, I wonder how long they can stay out. Until their bedtime, or I guess not bedtime, until their <laughs> curfew. I want a pet loach. Get a little leash. Okay, sorry. I'm done stalling now for my prediction. So the next book is called The Deception. Correct. And I feel like the deception of this book is going to come through the Z space transponder. Let's start with the basic. Who's the narrator? Uh, This is, what do we just, 46, so this is Jake. And let me tell you, Meg has been waiting (laughs) this entire time. Every episode of this show has been a build up to this specific (laughs) moment. That Meg has mentioned more than once being so excited for to me. It's so stupid. <laughs> but I've been so excited because you usually go, okay, it's this number, so it's this narrator. And I was like, there's definitely a point where they were like, yeah, we're going to just start doing everybody gets a book instead of like breaking up Tobias and Axe. The rules done changed, oh. son. So does that mean this is an Axe? Wait, what did we, we just, just read? read? A Marco. We just did a, no, no, no. We did a Tobias before that. So so does that mean that Axe gets a book next time? Axe book. I've been so fucking oh, excited okay. about this. It is a stupid thing, but there are only small things in pandemic that make you happy. <laughs> Meg has been looking forward to asking you this question. Well, then, <laughs> this makes me feel like even more like it has to be Sea Space Transponder related. I mean, we ended the book on a cliffhanger, so, so yeah. So somebody is going to lie about who they are through the transponder okay who's gonna lie they're not talking to the andalites they're talking to yerks which yerk well i i don't know the whoever answered the guy working the control center you get so much i actually two, two, four. can't remember all i know is the big part two, of two, the six. Book, but yeah 
226 sorry 226 yeah so that's what i think but i i don't know who answers it i don't know i'm also gonna put this out there this book introduces a character who unless meg has also been playing me meg does not remember i remembered it once i know what the description was and went shit alex was right (laughs) (laughs) so there's a there's a new character introduced there is would you would you like to hazard a guess it's a yerk nora you mean nora the yerk that we already met this past book no well yeah but we don't we never talked to yerk like we find out who the yerk is that she got that's a fair guess my hint was gonna be it is someone who we we have mentioned in this episode so (laughs) sometimes it's time to just pay attention to the episode Maybe a little less time searching things on Amazon and a little more time engaged in conversation. <laughs> I did not Amazon once this episode. Okay, fine, eBay, whatever, boo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, no, uh, well, answer, was I, was I close on my... I think we're going to have a lot to talk about the concept of deception in the next book. I don't okay. think that is the actual act of deception in the book. Actually, it's not. But... I think that it was an excellent guess compared to most of your guesses. Oh, that's a, that, I'm going to take that as a victory. That it wasn't stupid this time. I, I, I'm going to I think you it. actually put some effort there. I, I appreciate it. I'm very proud of you for not making a joke about the Transformers coming yeah, up in the book. I stayed completely away from it while we've been recording this podcast. Yeah. But Alex did ask the question, man, how much it must suck for this person that Visitor 3 just became Visitor 1. Visitor 2? Hold, hold on. <laughs> okay so oh, oh hold on hold on so viscer 2 where is viscer i don't even know where viscer 2 is you know nothing about viscer 2 oh okay well that makes me feel we better. know nothing about viscer 2 so we are all john snow when it comes so, to viscer so, 2 so viscer 3 1 becomes the viscer 1 and viscer yes. 2 becomes the viscer 3 to viscer no. 1's viscer 2 stay in viscer 2 yeah but it, like maybe Oh, I maybe. see what you're saying. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe they don't. Maybe, maybe Visser Two is pissed that they didn't get that Visser you're... One spot. So Visser Two is here to muck with Visser One. Yeah, 1's yeah. Plans. In much the same way that Visser Three and Visser One had that sort of adversarial. Let's let's make this a little clearer. Visser Two is here to muck with Esplan Nine Four Six Six's plan. Yes, 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 yes. In Operation Nine Four Six Six. Ah, wait. Maybe they're. Maybe they're the so they're the ones running Operation Nine Four Six Six. Is a good question. Did you actually look to see if that is Visser Three's number? Uh, no, he said that. Yeah, it, when we came up with the six six, I just assumed that's what it was because I remember that. Um, what um, I really, I really want to read this next book. I can tell you, like, if if yeah, I could, it is Nine Four Six Six. If I, just I did not Googled have Visser like Three, and the first thing was Visser Three did nothing wrong. <laughs> just <laughs> what? If it were if if life oh, went t shirt. Oh, I need to get that t shirt. Um if uh if life went the way that I wanted it to, we would record the next episode tomorrow because I would read the book right now. I'm not gonna lie, th- like I really wanna know what happened. This there are a couple that are going to be like <sighs> way to kill the momentum. Yeah. But there is a lot, like anything like I literally <laughs> went to my friend ryan who has read these books and l who has not read a single animorph book and was like here's the shit i can remember without looking up that is going to happen in the next 10 books not including the elements or so in the next nine books and it was a very long paragraph of bullet points 
Next one is is 46. Did we yes. say Elemist was after 47? After 47. It is after yes. 47. Okay. So, all right. Got to get through two more then we can then we can read the literal book on <laughs> Elemist bullshit. We can read the gospel that is Elemist bullshit. I, this book like really like like I said it, it you know it's been fun and it's been good to read and I haven't not enjoyed it but it has been a little bit tread in water and this one got me like yeah. Like, I'm ready to go now, you know? No, there's a reason that, like, I fell off in the early 30s the first time I read these through. Like, didn't buy. I was like, this is bullshit. And just stopped for a while. And I think it took meeting Robin, who had all of them, to be like, all right, I'm going to sit down and read them again. Anybody got anything that you want to plug? Uh, I will plug a thing. Sure. Um, I just did a panel for Dragon Con, which was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when this airs, but I think they're being left up on uh, the the comic and pop art tracks Facebook page. I interviewed Stefan Frank, who worked on The Iron Giant and some other stuff uh, that were important movies in my childhood about his new graphic novel Very cool. uh, called Palomino. So that's the Dragon Con, Dragon Con comics and pop art track. On Facebook. There are a bunch of videos. That one's from Friday the 4th or whatever. It was at like 4 p.m. Is Palomino out now? Uh, yes. You can get it through his website, which I think is darkplanet.com. That's the name of his comics publisher, his, his, his label, Dark Planet. I will order that and watch that. I will do both of these things. It's not a thing you watch. It's a comic book. You read it. No, the, the panel. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. yes, that. Watch that. <laughs> yeah, that part I'll watch. We'd like to thank Red Sphinx for our show art. You can check out more of their work by supporting their Patreon or visiting at ChaosDoesArt on Instagram. If you're interested in getting some cool art, email red at c.sphinx.animator at gmail.com. Peep our social meds at Minds at Yurk on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to send us questions, comments, or love letters, you can email us at Minds at Yurk at gmail.com. Website is mindsatyerk.com, spelled Yerk, Y-E-E-R-K. Don't know why I'm still saying that. If you like us and want to help us out, rate, review us on Apple Podcasts, and we're available on your podcatcher of choice. Let us know if you can't find us there. Okay, Alex, you got a line for us? Somebody say when. When? Still, I stood immobile. Nice. I've been Tim. My name was Alex. And I've been Megan. And until then, we fight. A different version of like, um, uh, like a hot dog is a sandwich. We're we're not going there. No, no, we're not. That is settled law, and I defer to John Hodgman.